Bartum, Bartum, Bartum. Who thought accounting could be cool? Here we go. Join Andrew Wall and Brad Salmeda. Our mission, make accounting fun. Follow us as we chat with amazing guests every Friday. Are you ready? It's another Friday night. Uh, we're back with another amazing guest. I, apparently, DJs don't dig our beat. <laughs> Ryan's like, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Let's <laughs> work on that one. Yeah. Yeah, I, can re- I can remix that for yeah, you. Let's do a remix. <laughs> so we're, we're here uh, this week with Ryan Lozanis. Um, Ryan is well, well known in the industry. Um, I, I think uh, a lot of people know. the industry. In yeah, and he's a real pioneer, and I'm not just a real pioneer Canada. with um, one of the first for sure with Zen Accounting, yeah. and now um, not only not only built you know a firm of the future, a visionary cloud accounting firm, but managed to sell that within six years of starting that business, and is now teaching and coaching um, accountants about how to do all the great things that he, you know, had the vision for in the early days. So Ryan, thank you for joining us. How are you doing tonight? Doing well, guys. Really uh, appreciate you having me on. Well, you get the full hour to yourself. You get the full hour, yes. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. We can go past the hour even if we want. Yeah. So Will, <laughs> no, we're, we're, I, I hope you're going to join us for that. the after show. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So how's the last week been for you? Anything new and exciting since we saw you uh, last um, Friday or well, two Fridays, a couple Fridays ago? You know what? Um, I went, uh, I was uh, just uh, doing a cross country ski uh, with my wife earlier where nice. we live like right on the canal here and uh, nice winter weather. And, you know, we, that's, that's been our winter activity. And I was telling her as we were skiing, um, I'm losing track of the days, the months and almost the year with this <laughs> pandemic. So I, yeah. I, I'm, when you say like, feeling. what's been new in the last week, I'm starting to lose track of things truthfully. <laughs> like so, which week is it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which month is it? <laughs> which year yeah. is it? <laughs> I'm ready to get this over with, but, uh, I mean, not a whole lot this week. It's been a good week. I mean, uh, good, good winter weather over here. Uh, you know, good to be active outside in the winter. And uh, yeah, everything's been good. That's that's the yeah, right that's... attitude to take. So many people whine and complain about winter and we, we're Canadian, so we're kind of used to it. I, I truly don't mind winter. You know, I still you whine and complain. Yeah, you whine and complain. But I used to cross-country <laughs> ski, so I totally relate to what you're saying, Ryan, because cross-country skiing is such a fun pastime. It's great for exercise. And yeah, you get really warm it doesn't matter how cold it is you can get really warm because it's a great workout and uh i do snowshoeing more than i cross-country ski these days but yeah it's uh it's good fun i just need to get out i need to get out and do something because i'll go i'm a a snowboarder and they just opened up the hills this week for the first time i i'm just I'm, i'm a bit on the fence as to whether i i should get out or not um i'm obviously uh concerned about exposure but i think that that can be handled but i'm also like it's going to be crowded it's yeah. going to be slow it's going to yeah. be big lineups everybody, everybody's skiing and boarding now like the mountains are packed exactly so i'm like I'm, I'm so torn i kind of feel like i need to get out i feel like obligated like it's open i should be getting out there i haven't been able to do anything but i'm like it's gonna be super crowded it's not going to be a great experience and i'm also like normally i'm a season's pass holder 
So I would just go for a couple of hours, you know, and it was nice and enjoyable. Now I'm like going to be buying a day pass and feel like I got to get out there for the whole day because I'm paying for the day. So I got to be there from like nine in the morning yep. until, you know, the, they really shut off. Big, yeah, I used to be a really big skier. I used to teach at a ski hill uh, many years back and um, would go skiing every single weekend, both days. And I went out west once. I went to, I flew into Calgary, went up to Banff, skied there once, and I almost couldn't ski again. Like, <laughs> You're not. <laughs> you know, where you, are you just, talking Lake Louise or Sunshine or both? Uh, Banff, Banff area. I forget, I forget which mountains. Well, the, well, the three big but, areas. But at least it was, I think it was. Uh, Probably yeah, Lake no, Louise or Sunshine. They're but they're big. I mean, Lake Louise is massive. But you're been. you're at least Montreal, like so. You've got the Laurentians. I'm freaking Ontario. I'm skiing the escarpment. Ontario is even worse. <laughs> we got pretty good mount. We got pretty good skiing here. Yeah, yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I go to the Laurentians, and I'm like, the Laurentians are so much better than those freaking are, the escarpment. Let alone, those I think it, I I have not done out west yet, and I think. Uh, when I do, I will never want to ski it's in Ontario ever it's again. It's like no comparison. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's but, the mountains and the views and, you know, the conditions are, are pretty good. We're pretty fortunate. I mean, I take it for granted some days that the Rocky Mountains are, you know, less than an hour away from where I live. Literally, like there's, we can go in this little back way in and be through the foothills and into the mountains in 45 minutes. So the outdoor opportunities are, are amazing. Um, so you were big into mountain biking, Brad, but did you ever get into yeah. skiing or snowboarding? Oh, yeah. I, I was a skier for a lot of years. When I was a kid, uh, I, when I moved here in, in the mid-70s from Ontario, which we didn't ski there, um, we took up skiing almost right away. Um, my family would go out often to, to Banff, um, to either Louise, Sunshine, or Norquay. Uh, going to British Columbia once in a while to uh, Panorama, which is just in, on the other side of the, the border in Invermere, BC. And we skied a lot. I, my friends skied. I have skis. I just haven't really done it. Um, <laughs> it my wife and I um, were doing it before my son was born, but then it became such a song and dance. And it really has become one of those pastimes. It's like golf, right? If you really want to spend hundreds of dollars, to go out for a day of entertainment, then I, I started having less value out of that, right? Because you can go out mountain biking, mm -hmm. drive out to the trailhead, you invest in a bike, and you can ride for hours. Yeah, and they, they get you, you coming and going with skiing, right? They get you on yeah, the lift yeah, passes, on the, gear, the equipment, the, pass. the food. Yeah, so it, we just stopped doing it as much. And Courtney introduced me to cross-country skiing, which... Um, she's, she just did it like two days ago. There's a little golf course nearby with some trails and, and she introduced me to snowshoeing and, um, you know, I've been out every day this winter, literally, you know, as part of the, the Noom thing, I'm out every single day, regardless of the weather. And Andrew, you mentioned last week that you heard that it was so cold in Calgary that they wouldn't even let the penguins They wouldn't let the outside. penguins out. Pride's still we going do. for We have penguins at the zoo. We That's commitment. <laughs> but it's just something I sort of said, well, you know, I've got to do it. And it, I got to admit, it was pretty tough. <laughs> the one day, the day uh -huh. that I took the picture on Facebook in the park. Uh, um, yeah, it was pretty chilly. Um, uh, I'm so a when wimp I, when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I just, 
it's funny because I used to be less into winter and then I moved away to Bermuda for a couple of years and I kind of missed it as weird as that sounds. And then when Courtney, who was my girlfriend at the time, um, when she moved here in the late nineties, she saw the mountains from a new set of eyes and said, let's, she just loved them so much. And, and so she dragged me out all the time and then winter came and we were skiing and stuff. So, um, you know, we just dress for it. We're tough. We're tough. But let's let's digress. I mean, we got yeah, one of the, and, uh, the biggest influencers and you know legends skiing. in the county community. But, and know, we're it's talking about for stress. It's good for stress relief. So we'll leave yeah. it at that. Um, I, I, Ryan, I, like, there's so like I don't even know where to start because you you have you know you've hit on skiing. so many points. Yeah, <laughs> not in skiing. Um, you know, I I think I'm biased. I want to I want to get to know and understand. Um, you know, some of your thoughts around digital marketing and digital strategy, because, you know, as I was saying to you in the pre-show, I love that when I search Brian Lazanis, which is such a unique name, it's not like your Facebook page or your Twitter account or even your website. That's the first thing comes up. It's all these other digital channels that you have managed to get backlinks on and you've been able to network and build relationships, which, you know, is, is, you know, in the modern age of digital marketing is like literally gold, those backlinks and those, those digital marketing strategies. And I know you were saying you sort of somewhat, you know, stumbled into content creation as a digital marketing strategy. You know, I'd love to know, like, at what point did you figure out that this was an important component of growing and building a business in the modern age? Um, and at what point did you go from like happenstance and just, you know, you were doing stuff that was helping your business to like, this is a, this is a strategy that I'm going to use to grow. It's been a journey since 2013 and 2013 is when I started Zen accounting. I started my, my firm. I started with from an scratch. Sorry. What's that, Brad? Zen with, Zen an, with an X. With an X. Yes. <laughs> and I started from scratch. It was just myself, zero clients really had no clue what I was going, what I was doing. I just had an idea. I wanted to just take it online, meet with people online, uh, use cloud accounting software in a time when it wasn't really a thing and um, just focus on making accounting easier for small business owners across Canada. And um, out of necessity, because I was starting with zero clients and I took out a lease for an office, I had expenses coming in already. I had to find ways to bring in business and I tried a whole lot of strategies and 99% of those strategies completely flopped. You know, I would do the standard networking meetings, every single networking meeting I can go to, I would go, you know, mornings, evenings, afternoon, whatever. Um, That was not a scalable way to actually acquire clients, but I would do it to get the initial ones coming through. I would literally find like yellow pages or online business directories online and literally just cold email people, which obviously completely flunked. <laughs> I would uh, try and do these like giveaway campaigns. I don't know if you remember tech vibes. It was like a tech blog in Canada. I would yeah. like have these banner ads. I would like try and give, I would give away like one free year of cloud accounting services. I partnered up with zero where they would give like the app for free as well. And the only criteria was that someone had to like 
the Zen Accounting Facebook page because I thought like, oh, I'd get all these likes and I'd build an audience that way. I ended up getting seven likes after like thousands <laughs> of dollars, a one month campaign. They weren't even businesses. One, one business won. They stayed for the year. They got the free services. They left right after. Like I made a ton of horrible, horrible, horrible mistakes. But there were some things I tried that actually got some attention. Like the first blog post that I ever wrote, and I was never a writer. Uh, I hated writing. I did terrible in English and writing in school. And I just wrote a blog post about what I was feeling about the industry at, at the time. In 2013, I called it online accounting and the death of the dinosaur. And the, the, the dinosaur in that blog post was the traditional accounting firm. And I was talking about what I foresaw happening in the industry. And that resonated with a segment of the market. And it was not a segment that I was specifically targeting at that point, but it was like millennial business owners, tech savvy business owners. And like that started getting a little bit of attention. So I'm like, okay, well, let me try and do more and more of that. So I would do guest blog posts here and there. I would write my own blog post on, uh, you know, the, uh, the Zen accounting blog. And then I started getting people coming to me from those blog posts. So I didn't have a real strategy in place, but like nobody else was really blogging and I was able to cut through, there was no competition. So I was able to establish myself very early on as like the- You were a content creator when there was no such thing as a content, when a content creator didn't exist. In that, in that space, you know? So yeah. like I started learning more and more about that, but, but truthfully, I didn't really have a great strategy in place and it didn't need to be great because there was not much competition. Fast forward five, six years, you know, I started Future Firm and I was able to skip through all that trial and error and level up my digital marketing and really like laser focus on a market, laser focus on strategies. Like I didn't have to try, like go through the, the all the errors that I made. The learning curve. Exactly. So I was able to really take what I knew and level it up. And I would say like, I only really got serious about digital marketing, probably like I thought I was serious years ago, but really I was, I probably, I probably only really started knowing what I was doing maybe about a year and a half ago. Yeah. You were just happened to be doing strategies that were very effective digital marketing without realizing this was a digital marketing strategy. And it was just the things that were working, you were doing more of and I, the things I, that weren't working, which was the offline going to events, unscalable stuff. You said, bad. well, that ain't working. I'm not going to do it. What I think also helped was the positioning of the firm. And I positioned it as like automation, you know, not your, like, you know, this is not a, not your father's accountant. Yeah. And like now, like that's the norm, but then it wasn't. And I was like positioning the firm as like the anti-accounting firm almost, you know? So like, this is everything you know about what an accounting firm is and we're like the complete opposite of that yeah. and really positioning to that segment of the market. And that would turn off a big portion of the market that I wasn't going for, which, which was fine, but it was really connecting with a certain segment of the market that worked really well for that kind of model. Yeah. And, and I guess one of the beautiful things about those early days is just being cloud or being not dinosaur was a niche. That was right. Enough. So that you was were the differentiator right there. Yeah, you had effectively 
created a niche, which in this, in today, you can't do that. That's no longer a niche, right? Being cloud isn't a niche. No. Being cloud is no longer a differentiator. No. Um, and so what do, what do firms do in this modern age? Like how do, how do they differentiate when everybody's in the cloud? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tough model to differentiate. Um, I think it has to do with how you really segment the, segment the market and go after that segment um, because you'll know it better than anyone else if you could do it properly. And I'm not talking about, you don't have to just be like, I'm an e-commerce firm or I'm just, uh, you know, this kind of industry. Like an IT guy. When we talk about, like, you could do that and it's very effective if you do it well, but you could just segment the market in a certain way where like, you know, we're for this kind of business or this kind of personality or, or that kind of thing. And if you, you go, if you segment it properly, that's usually enough to differentiate yourself. I, I like that you talk about, you could be like for a personality. I think that's, yeah, that's definitely. a really interesting. That's, that's yeah. a big part of my business. I had this discussion just this week with somebody on, on that very topic. They said, what sort of clients are you targeting? And I said, well, you're assuming that I'm niche targeting. Um, my, my career before I went out on my own really was varied. I've always said that, you know, business is business is business. You're buying something, you're selling something, you've got margins. And it's nice to have that general ability to look at a business and be able to interpret it and then just use the tools to get the numbers out so that the business ownership and the management can figure out how to run their business. And really, it shouldn't matter from an accounting perspective either. And what, what you just mentioned, Ryan, and Andrew, you touched on as well, the personality side of things is huge. Like, I don't care who the, I've had some clients that I thought were going to be dream clients because they had a great reputation in the marketplace. They got great websites, everything about them looks really cool. I get all excited. And then you meet them and you're like, this guy's a total asshole. I don't want to work with <laughs> this guy. You know, I had a case where I had this really cool potential client and the guy turned into be a kind of a dick and it was a big bit of a letdown but it was actually a blessing in disguise so by niching into a specific uh vertical that might not be enough if yeah. you're not getting the sorts of clients that you enjoy working with like i do that right now with future firm you know I, i've segmented you know i i used to be an accounting firm owner now i'm helping accounting firm owners but not all accounting firm owners and on my, we might get into this later, uh, Future Firm Accelerate, which is my new online coaching program. If you go to futurefirmaccelerate.com, I have a specific section that says- Yes, I've got a great customer testimonial for you. Yes. We are Future Firm <laughs> yes. clients. I appreciate that, appreciate that. So you fit, you, fit, you fit the profile though. And like, if you look at like who I'm segmenting, I, it specifically says like who this program is for and bullet point, and it touches on, personality traits you know prepare to get a bit uncomfortable because we're gonna we're gonna push you a bit but that's who we are and that's the sort of people that you like working with right and you're not afraid to challenge the status quo and that's important in our industry and 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 this is a, uh, a loaded question for sure but how do you target a personality type i mean is it around the way you write your content is it around the way you yeah. do your ads is it who you advertise to or you can just do say, you start with a person blunt, in mind blunt you know what the way that i've usually approached that is start kind of here like when i started future firm i didn't know specifically who i would be going after i knew i wanted to help people create modern a modern scalable firm but was i going to be helping legacy firms transition over 
Um, actually, that's what I thought. I thought I would be working with legacy firms and helping them move to that model. And when I started working with those firms, I realized that's not who I want to be working with. And I saw that the modern cloud-based already technology forward firms were the ones that I meshed best with. Who were so, just looking to optimize rather than firms who were looking to transition who were old and stagnant, not really open to change, but I, thought they were. I mean, optimize, I mean, you know, we can get into this, but like technology and automation is on the minds of everybody. But a lot of the time, these people are already using enough technology and have enough automation in place. And that's not really the issue with the business. Yeah, That's not really what's holding it back from being scalable. There's other issues at play. And that's what I really saw with a lot of these modern firm owners is the head is too much in the automation and the tech end of things. And there's other things that could really move the needle a lot more. And there's other things that they really need help with. And I'm not saying tech and automation is not important, but yeah, maybe I'm going a little bit off topic there, but I don't, I, I don't think you are. I think this is like really, skiing. like this to be honest, more relevant. <laughs> when we were on Clubhouse, it was funny. Like we started, I started the whole Clubhouse conversation earlier today because I wanted to have this conversation around an HR tool because I was looking for an HR tool to help me better manage my onboard thing. And, and like, basically the response was everyone was like, you don't actually need an HR tool. Like just do it with fucking Excel. Like you're just looking for an app when you don't need an app because you're so accustomed. Like there's an app for that. There's a solution for that. And we over technologize. If that's a word, I'm going to make it up and own it. It But um, we, we create this need to have technology because we look for a solution. And Hector was like going, you know, people solve problems, not technology, you know? And, and I think you need to, a lot of us, myself included, need to step back and go, it's not about the technology solution and, and finding the app for that. Cause we're, we're all now accustomed to there's an app for that. We all just think there's an app for that. There's gotta be yeah, a, a there's technology also app overload, right? I yeah. think I'm to the point uh, and you guys were talking about this earlier in clubhouse. It really is a situation where we can overdo it on apps. There's a limit to automation in the industry yes. at the moment. There's a limit, it needs, you know, but you, like, you need some common sense and you still need some touch point in there because if we're trying to automate ourselves completely out of the picture, completely, utterly not involved, I think our business is going to struggle because you're sort of taking the human element completely out of it. I mean, you sure look at something right. like Scale Factor, which tried to take the human element out of it and just focus on technology and it completely fails, the, right? So yeah. the human element's important, but the human element's not going away for like, there, there, there is a lot of talk. At least a generation. Well, the theory we're, we're is, a long I way think, off still. It, it, I think the theory is, is that it'll free you up to have more ability to have FaceTime, right? I, I, I think that, to be honest, there's just a shit ton of fucking advertising that's pushed it our way to make us think that the technology is the solution. <laughs> the, the problem and our, it's, our, it's our app partners who we do love make us think that technology is the solution. It, it, it's a lot of this stuff is a distraction and shiny object syndrome. And we're all like... How, how much efficient, like if you're already on Zero or QBO and Receipt Bank and HubDoc and all these different apps and you have probably 30 SaaS apps in your firm, probably even and a new more. one comes along. Like how much more efficiency are you going to squeeze out of the, out of your firm by like adding another app? You know what I mean? Like, like a percent, half a percent, like you're, there's not much more efficiency that you're going to get from like optimizing things to the complete fullest to me you gotta find those pain points that really are a pain you know that truly are a pain that you hate doing 
and you have to do manually. If there's a tool that here, here's one that I just started using, it's called Link Match. Mm-hmm. You guys heard of it? No. It's um, it's an app that connects LinkedIn to my CRM. So when mm-hmm. I'm cruising through LinkedIn, if I Not see Zapier? a profile, oh, you know what? No, I think no, I, I, tried, I, see a pro- I think I tried that. Yeah. If I see a profile that, that interests me, whether it be a client or somebody I want to connect with, I can actually take their profile and put it into my CRM with just a click of the mouse. It takes and, no time. And, and then when I connect with them for real, I can I have that profile, but I'm actually able to go in there. I can, oh, there's Bill Gates. I don't know Bill Gates, but I'm going to add him to my CRM anyways. He grabs his photo. It grabs a whole bunch of outward facing information. It's a great prospecting tool. For years, I used my LinkedIn profile as for a lot of things. I've stepped away from it and I'm kind of going back that way. But my CRM really is important to me. And Andrew, you and I have had this discussion in the past. I don't use it like you do, pipe drive. But I love the fact that now I don't have to copy and paste. There was a time I could export the information out of LinkedIn and then import it into the CRM. Now I don't. It's just a few clicks of the mouse. It's $10 a month. That is time well spent. That's a pain point for me because I want to use LinkedIn more for prospecting. So that's a classic case to me of, of, of technology solving a problem for 10 bucks American a month. That's, that's money well spent. That's where you have to make the decision. And too many people get all hung up. Oh, what's that cost? This is going to cost me this. No, no, no. It's how much time it's saving you. You get people have to get that into their head. Is that and that goes to app overload. I, I almost is think it's really it's, gonna save you if you're paying 20 bucks for something, is it really gonna save you something? I, I almost think it's months? though like I mean, I'm I'm starting to think that like we're over apt and we're over zapped and we're over technologified, as as Ryan was pointing out so so vividly. I think we look to technology as a solution when oftentimes it, it really does require, as Hector said, human intervention, not technology intervention. And like when you can just go out and like literally in two clicks, you have a new app installed and it's running and, and, and it's doing stuff. And then we become over reliant on this technology um, and not focused on the fundamentals. And I think we, you know, I think a lot of us, Ryan, have, you know, grown up on this like what killed the dinosaur right like this 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 idea of like there's this difference between the old way is wrong and and it's i think that where we get messed up is that technology uh is a good thing but it's not necessarily the only thing and that the dinosaur while they may be not taking advantage of modern technology the way you could and should maybe there's some tried and trusted things that are good in what they're doing right and i guess that's part of what future firm is about right is like is it is it is it the blend of the old and the new or is it a completely new methodology when you say blend of old and new what do you what do you mean by that is there anything that you take from traditional traditional practice management that applies to a modern firm probably not Probably not. And I, I am an advocate for technology and automation, but there's an obsessive nature with that among modern firm owners about just like focusing on that and nothing else. When I think right. you could focus on your sales process, your pricing strategy, you know, 
your your value proposition, your product. Value proposition is not a new mindset. Value proposition was very much comes from the old school dinosaurs. So let's put that in the old. I mean, some of those things probably maybe do. I mean, some of these things are fundamental aspects of a business that have been that have existed for generations, but they're important components of any successful, scalable business today. And that's one thing that uh, I certainly advocate for, you know, so um, yeah, so some of these concepts do come from the old, you know, and as they should. Right. And I mean, I I just want to also note too, like a nod to Michelle who's saying tech is good. Get rid of the boring stuff. You know, there's definitely ways that technology is improving our lives and making better. Like it's just that balance, right? Between like, yes, leverage technology, use it, make, make your world better. Just don't become completely reliant on technology as the solution exactly. or, or technology is the differentiator, right? It's, it's certainly not a differentiator anymore. That's for sure. Yeah, it's not. I mean, you, you, it can be if you go really far out there and you have like software engineers on your team and you're developing things internally, like it can be to that extent, then I would maybe push back and say like, are these and your development firm or to the clients? Yeah. Are they really making huge differences internally? So it can be a differentiator, but it might not be a strong enough differentiator. Yeah. And so I guess another great question for you though, I'm curious, like when you look forward, let's just even say five years from now, you know, we hear about the accountant role being evaporated by technology or, or at least changed by technology, if not evaporated. What do you think the role of an accountant is five years from now? Good question. It's uh, going to be all AI. There'll be no humans. I wish right? I had a crystal ball on that one. I mean, uh, look, I, I wrote an art blog article specifically on like the future of accounting. And there's a few themes I touched on there. I don't think like we're going to see things drastically change in five years. I mean, look at the last seven, eight years. Like when I started Zen Accounting, like what has actually changed since then? You know, same kind of apps. Yes, those apps have matured. Same kind of processes, you know, more people getting into it, but like has things really drastically changed in that period of time? Not really. Like, do I foresee things drastically changing in the next five years? Probably not. I, you know, this, this model will, will, will continue to, to roll on as it is right now. I do see some interesting things playing out right now with like, uh, and this is something I've really been harping on a little bit in some of my content is different service delivery models, I think will become a lot more popular in the next five years, which is like, you know, I've been taught, you, you see like, uh, um, so you're talking like Amazon, you could have prime or something. Well, well and you, got to, you got that tax return, you pay tw- 10 bucks a month or hundred bucks a month. But also you're, you're, you're bullish on this whole, um, I can't think of the word right now, but this idea of like recurring revenue that, Pass, works more, while you sleep, more right? That passive, generates more passive income. That, more passive. So it could be like Prime, right? You could buy a, a level to get access to your accountant. And it's not just, you know, I've seen value pricing models and what you can throw in there. And a lot of times it's like, I don't want half that shit. Why do I, why would I buy a bundle? But some sort of priority access, kind of like a Prime model, you know, you buy Prime and then you get- well, passive, passive income to you is not like passive income in the accounting sense of investment income. It's like you don't work to earn it. 
I mean, there is work certainly, but yeah. it's not actually delivering a service or a deliverable. Like for instance, it's productizing like, a service. It's productizing a service where, you know, like, look, sometimes you see, you know, accountants, bookkeepers, they're selling a bookkeeping service for 200 bucks a month. And it's very, very slim on profits. But for that kind of downstream market, you can develop like uh, a subscription type offer. And there's people doing it right now where you develop, where you, where you teach people to do their own bookkeeping. You have a series of online courses, you yep. give them the apps, QBO, zero, you know, receipt bank, that kind of thing. You have a check-in with these members of the program every quarter, every month, whatever you want to do there. So you're not actually, you can charge the same kind of prices at a much higher margin in a more passive sense without actually delivering the work with different kind of delivery models. You know, and, and more so, tied so into what we're saying. Pardon so me. What are, they, what are they paying for then beyond they're that first couple of months? Access to the content for them okay. to be able to do it themselves in a more easier manner. There's not much content out there to walk you through specifically how to do everything yourself. So they get the apps that they need. Um, how like the content for so, how to use the I app. See. So you're it's providing... the future firm model. It's exactly it's, what Ryan it's, is it's doing. It's the future firm accelerate model, and you can do it in an accounting firm. Yeah, you can have a community. And, and there company. are people doing it. Alicia, Donna, Reed. They they all do this, and then they're they're ahead of the curve on this yep. stuff. And and they're the, the the reality is it's 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 like what Ryan was doing cloud accounting. There's a few early birds who have figured this shit out. And Ryan's one of them, but not, I'm not, not, the masses have not figured it out. And certainly the big four haven't figured it out. Um, they're, they're way, way, yeah, way off from that. They're, they're way off. They don't comprehend this at all. And it, it's basically taking models from what we're seeing in coaching and, uh, and, and these other business models and saying, Hey, we can apply this to the accounting world. Seth David is doing this type of stuff. We're seeing, create you a community around it too. You know, there's a community component. Like yeah. you could basically just rip off what I'm doing with future firm accelerate and but just do it for it. client, your, your just, client base, whatever your client base is. Exactly. I mean, there are things that you have to have in place before you actually start that model. You like credibility. <laughs> you have to have an audience first and there's a and credibility. I mean, that does help. Um, yeah. So, well, but, actually, yeah, I love that you say that does help because you actually, in this day and age, you don't even need that because you can tell that because you go online and you see these coaches selling stuff on Facebook who last week were working in Bata Shoes, which doesn't you know, even exist anymore. That That is the big thing that I actually push with my program, though, and a reason, one of the reasons why a lot of people have joined is because I've actually been there. You have so credibility. I think, I think that does matter. Um, yeah. So I make sure that my story comes through in the content. Um, that's a big, I think that's a big uh, factor for why a lot of people join the program. It's because I've been yeah, in the, their absolutely. shoes. I know the problems and uh, you're not bullshitting. I, yeah. And unfortunately there are some bullshitters out there, not in the accounting world necessarily, but in the coaching world, there's a lot of bullshitters out there. Absolutely. Um, but on that note, I think this is a great chance to ask you about Zen accounting and the X in Zen accounting because yeah. you promised us pre-show you would tell us that that because Brad was saying oh I, I love it, it was, was so brilliant zero Zen and he's like yeah that's just happenstance yeah so happens to it huh yeah how did you come up with the name Zen accounting well, let me tell you I made that connection because 
I was, I had just heard about zero. I poked around about it. I had an account and then I saw some guy in Montreal with a firm called Zen and <laughs> he's a cloud accounting firm and he's a zero uh, influencer. So I just automatically assumed the X's were related. Apparently they're not. I, I thought they were too. So, so when I started the firm, um, it was a cashew only firm. That yeah, was the software. <laughs> told us that when you were here with Will. Exactly. So it had nothing to do with zero because the name existed. Like I didn't even think I'd be using zero. So there was no relation there. Now, how did the name come about? So when I was thinking of typo. a name. Pardon me? Typo. It's a typo. <laughs> so, the X is nowhere near the Z. Well, actually, it's right beside it. Sorry. So, so the idea was to brand the firm and give it a name other than Ryan Lazanis CPA firm, whatever, you know, and I didn't even know you could do, you were able to do name. that at the time because, you know, I contacted CPA Quebec. I said, they used to be pretty rigid on having how you could name your firm. That's the They're thing. very rigid. That's they the still thing. Are. I was like, can I even do this? And that's one of my frustrations with, with the, 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 our professional bodies. There are no support whatsoever. It's one of the reasons why I do what I do is because there needs to be some resources out there for people to get support. So it I've doesn't come been, from the Institute. That's for oh, damn sure. The, the, yeah. Yeah. They drive me up the wall. <laughs> so so I the Institute. yeah, I was asking, uh, I was asking them, can I do a name? Can I, does it have to be my name? No guidance. I said, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm incorporating the company cause you could do that in Quebec. And I just put a name to it. And uh, I wanted, you know, when I started the firm, the idea was to make accounting easy, pain-free, stress-free, so I was brainstorming ideas with my wife. She's more creative than I am. She's like, go with Zen, but don't put a, don't put a Z, don't put a Z, make it, uh, make it sound a little cooler, like a little edgier, put an X. Like you're a DJ. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I attribute it to my wife. You got a smart wife there. Well, it was distinctive and it's, it's short, right? It's, it's easy to remember. And I thought it was zero. <laughs> like I honestly, this is education. Some people, some some clients would say, uh, some clients would mix it up. Actually, they would call they would call the firm zero, and I was like, okay, I don't yeah, know. Hey, I'm using whatever. As long as the check yeah. clears, I'm good. I don't even mind that really. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's uh, happenstance or not, it it was really you know, when I look back to this industry, the first you were like the first firm I saw doing it. And then I got to meet you in San Jose in, in 2015. And I got to meet obviously the other, um, the live guys and Josh and John. Yeah, Josh, it was like the three of you kind of invented cloud accounting in Canada. And For sure. once I saw the US marketplace, you were miles ahead of a lot of people down there too. Now, obviously there's some really talented people that were playing in that space too. Um, but you guys were on kind of on the level of the Australians who pretty much started this whole industry. Well, um, when I was starting, and, actually, and they were, they, they were definitely a, a couple years ahead. And I think my first conversation I had when I first started out, just me alone in the office, I, I, I found, uh, I connected with Guy Pearson somehow. And he's awesome. Telling, I love Guy. He's just telling me a little bit about like, you know, his experience and it was helpful. And I think at the time uh, I was really, really frustrated with my proposals and engagement letters. And he had just, just, just started practice ignition. And um, 
I think I was actually the first practice ignition customer that started in 2013. Really? It was wow. just him at the time. Yeah. And, so and, he, and the beauty of that was he was a practice owner, right? Like yes. he was, he built this to solve the problems he was facing. And you were like, brilliant. This is the same problem I'm facing. Hmm. I'm happy to buy into your package because it solves my problem. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I love, did, did I, have you ever, have I ever told you the story about uh, the time I, I won Firm of the Future? I don't know. I, I know you did, but I don't know if there's a story behind it. So I it was won great. Firm of the Future. The very first year Firm of the Future existed in Toronto. Yeah. And it, um, the reason I won was the same reason you had popularity because I was like one of three people that applied. It was the first yeah. QB Connect conference, which oh, wasn't wow. even called QB Connect back then. It was called Thrive and no one knew you could apply. So there's like three people who applied yeah. and I put it up. I literally found the application online the day I went to the conference. Someone told me about it. I filled it in while I was at the conference, like total, like just winging it complete. That's amazing. You know, Andrew Wall, just verbal diarrhea, uh, um, ended up winning it, but didn't realize that when they were announcing it or who was announcing it, and Guy gave me, Guy handed out the award. But when they announced the winner, where was Andrew? Smoking. Outside taking a phone call from a client. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So I come back in and everyone's like, oh, Andrew, I'm like, what the fuck is going on and i think it was i think it was maybe chris fudge i can't even remember who it was who gave me the award and you know what the prize was for the first year of of, of firm in the future what a fitbit no but the, the you know what the prize was the second year like 10 grand yeah, yeah they went into five figure amounts um i think yeah, the last year yeah, i'm like redo redo remember the last year when when tanya hills won her client actually got this a matching amount, didn't she? Yeah, well, he got he got more than a Fitbit. <laughs> yeah, they got more than a Fitbit. No, it was a she, but I mean, they actually hit a point where you you got to bring somebody along with you for the ride. So, I still think that was a that was that was a brilliant marketing strategy for them. Um, it it ended up being mired in controversy because the Canadians had such great voting capacity when it came to digital and social. Oh, yeah. um, but I think I still think it was a great. Well, a lot of it program. had to do with the fact that the um, the last couple of years Canadians just got behind it. But we would win everything because we were we were like I mean we have some pretty amazing accounting firms for sure, but we were also like as like. Canada has been very active on digital and social. Well, and this is like, we have really active. led yeah. the our industry. Super active up here. You look at the groups and, and just our involvement for a country our size. We're definitely interested in the industry. Yeah. I mean, we're not Australia. We didn't found this. We're not the U.S. We don't have the big market size, but we, we have seemed to figure out something when it comes to digital and we're technology. Doing okay. We're doing okay. We're okay. We're yeah. okay. We're good. <laughs> Look at all us Canadians there on um, on Clubhouse already, and it's early it? stage. I like that platform. I got to admit it, Andrew. So did the, this room you opened up? That's tough. FNL is associated with. That's good. Yeah, I tried to bring in a little bit of branding uh, to to be a little bit Ryan Lazanus. That's. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm no Ryan, but I try. <laughs> so any any uh, any tips? you know, for 
for those of us who are still not at the Ryan Lozanis level on like, you know, how do we go out and build these, these backlinks and these networks and these relationships so that when people search Andrew wall, it's not my Twitter profile or my Facebook page that comes up first. It's, you know, a reference from, you know, a reputable source. Right now I'm just, I think, like I've been big into content marketing for years now and I'm, I'm only pushing harder into it. And I think the only way to succeed right now is with uh, very, very high quality contents. And, yeah. you know, I don't seek backlinks. I don't have any backlink strategies. I used to, I bought a couple. You backlinks. have them and you get them. Like you may not have a strategy, but something you're doing is working. I'm it, it's really focused on, providing actionable, helpful content. If you could, because people are trying to, are, are reading content to help solve a problem or a challenge that they're having. And if you can help walk them through that challenge, it becomes a more popular piece of content that people want to share, people want to talk about, people want to link to. And that's that's my strategy is just make my content better than anything else out there. Right. And just make it as helpful as possible so that people are able to actually learn things from it and not just do like the standard, you know, if I look at like a lot of accounting firm blogs out there, it's just like slopping something together. You could write it in 30 minutes, like top five things, how to do this. And like, that's lots of times so they're just copying somebody else's and putting their name to it. Right. I mean, there's some of that too, but like, you know, it, a piece of content, like a blog post for me now, it could take me 15, 20 hours to write. That's why I don't put a lot of it out, you know? So, yeah. um, but you're also really good about curating content. Yeah. That's something I learned how to do a future firm. I, I wish, I wish I would have had like an email list, a newsletter with Zen. Cause that would have been like a, a huge <laughs> revenue. Andrew, Andrew, you totally relate to that. Our little yeah. infusion shop demo is all about that, about oh. keeping the conversation going from start to finish and, and throughout. Well, nurturing, I, I mean, I just, I've, I've always thought, you know, Brian, and, and the reason I wanted to get you and Will together was because you guys were like, to be honest, some of the earliest content creators who are thinking about digital marketing in a way that people still aren't thinking about digital marketing, whether you say like, and, and the reality is like, whether you happened into it because you were just doing the right things and you just realized that, you know, you threw a shitload of spaghetti at the wall and this was the spaghetti that stuck and you did more of it. You figured out digital marketing in a way that most firms still have yet to figure out. And you um, like this, this comment, Ryan, Michelle Duford just said, she says, Ryan has great content. I read every newsletter he sends. Yeah. So, I mean, there you go. I appreciate that. Thank you, Michelle. Um, so, so, I'm really just focused on, you know, I, I've, I understand the audience. I've been in those shoes. I know what it's like to be on the other side. And I write an email and I say, you know, here's the things you should know about this week in as bite-sized format as possible. Like if you look at my podcast, for instance, it's maximum 10 minute episodes because I know firm owners are busy. And they don't, you know, you know, when they want to go, they, about they don't day, have an hour to hang out on Friday nights. <laughs> I mean, this is a different format though. This is a different yeah. format, you know? Yeah. So I went in another direction, you know, there's a bunch of accounting podcasts out there. So I went in another direction where it's like, I'm going to learn about one thing today. It's going to be a five, six, seven, eight minute episode. And 
by the end of the episode, you should be able to take away something from it. So that's what I'm trying to do with my content is like, what's the takeaway from everything you read or everything you listen to? That's, yeah. that's what I'm trying to do with it. But the thing is, there's lots of people that like build really amazing content, but still aren't able to get it publicly visible. Like I, I hear what you're saying and you're right. Like you got to build content that solves a problem, but there's actually people out there who build great content, but still aren't able to get it like visible and airplay and in the right channels. Like, the right, are they talking to the right audience? Have they, do they understand the audience then? Maybe that's the issue. Yeah, maybe not. But I mean, I, I think there's one of the things is I think you get lots of people in our community who are really smart people who rate some amazing content, but don't get the airplay that you do. Like there's something you're doing in the way that you have been able to foster and build relationships with your partner network. Like I, I was looking at a post you did the other day um, with, with Kelly from workflow watering hole, which we all know and love. And it was just the way that you, you know, like you, you thanked her for including you and your thought leaders and like paid it back. But like, it wasn't in like a salesy slimy, like I'm trying to like, I'm doing this to get a lead. It was just a natural way of building connections, building relationships yeah. Um, and building and like, I help you, you help me. And I'm not helping you because I'm expecting that you will help me. I'm just, there this is the way I, this is just the way I operate. This is just yeah. who I am. And I think yeah, maybe I mean, for you, you're just like, it's not a strategy, like, but like, it's not a strategy, but it is a strategy. If I mean, that makes any sense. It kind of is and it kind of isn't. It's like, I <laughs> yeah. it and you know, well, it, you, we're, you can we're, never we're, go it's wrong. It's the strategy of being a good human being. Yeah, you yeah. can never go wrong doing good things. I mean, I, I mean karma takes care of people that, that do good things. It, yeah, there's just, that. I mean, we're, 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 there's overlap to some of the things that we do, but we're kind of in different spheres. And I said, you know, there's a lot of people in my Facebook group that probably are, might not be in her group. And, you know, it was just a way to get some people over there, you know, she's mentioned me in her group before. So, you know, we've had nice. a few chats, you know, uh, Well, and that's it. It's it, you're trying to create synergies. Yeah. That, and, and you're saying, Hey, it. I've got a channel. Let me push them over to you. And I know that if I do that, yeah. The probability of it coming back and it, it, actually in Kelly, Kelly's group, it was actually literally the opposite. Kelly did. And Kelly's a smart marketer too. And, a, you know, a great strategist who, she did that. She helped and supported you because she thought you were a great thought leader and there were synergies in the group and the community. And it wasn't, I guarantee you, she didn't put you on her. I can't remember what it was. The leaders group or thought leaders or trainers section of her site because she thought it was going to come back to her. She did it because she actually thought you had value and you were a good person. And, but it, yet it did create this, organic synergy synergy where you wanted to repay it back and you wanted to give back for, and, and I guess that's, that's what I see in what you do, like, and whether you consider it a strategy or not, you always give more than you get, or at yeah. least you seem to aim to do that. And I think that's been my strategy. I think that's the name of the game of content marketing. You give, 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 and then eventually you do get. But there's a lot of things I did I've done terribly wrong as well. Like when I started Future Firm, I was trying to 
get recognition, build an audience. You know, I would join other accounting Facebook groups and I would just post my content. And which never works, which never works. I got kicked out of some groups. I'm like, oh, I guess this is not a good thing to do. You know, so I've tried a lot of different things. You might see the things that work out well, but I've done a lot of things that haven't worked. By now, I kind of have a clue about what to do. What does and what doesn't work. But um, we always got to learn by doing right. We're all going to fail. Okay, so Ryan, what are the things not to do? You, You have more experience than anyone on the show. What are the one things, what, what are the top three things we should not do as content marketers? Uh, buy my stuff, buy marketing. my stuff, buy my stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm very any self-serving subtle. narcissistic yeah. advertising. Yeah. Very, very subtle with any kind of mention of selling something, you know, I'll maybe embed it somewhere in my blog post or in my signature or something like that. Like this well, you always need the call to action. We know that, but it just depends how, how aggressive you want to be with it. Right. Yeah. So like it's, there's it's never soft really sell. hard sell. There's never a hard sell. Like my favorite thing about my newsletter, which is I recommend for all newsletters is adding a little PS at the bottom. And it's like, I've heard that psychology behind that works. It's like they, 90, they will know. 9% of my newsletter is like helpful content. And the only thing they read is the PS? No, but it's, <laughs> it's like right if someone's gotten to the end and then they see, okay, your name and then PS, by the way, if you want to learn more about this or by the way, like are you interested in like fast tracking the growth of a modern scalable firm, click here. And then that will lead them to, you know, like futurefirmaccelerate.com as an example, or there's something I just, just implemented today called uh, a super signature, which on, if you go to any of my blog posts now, you'll see, um, you'll see what my signature looks like, where it's like, uh, you know, I'm Ryan Lozanis. This is like two sentences about me, by the way, if you're interested in more, number one, sign up to my newsletter here. Number two, subscribe to my podcast here. Number three, look, look, um, you know, check out futurefirmaccelerate.com here. So it's called a super signature and uh, I'm testing that out right now, but apparently it's working quite well. So nice. So there still is an app for that. <laughs> There's not an app for that. No, it's just crazy. Well, this is the thing is, and I'm going to bust your chops, Ryan, because you did join the Zoom meeting with a robot that followed you into the Zoom <laughs> yeah. meeting. Yeah, true. <laughs> I was trying to find an app for, for transcription. Yeah, so you caught me on that. I can't get rid of this app. It's just like following me everywhere. It's like meetings. herpes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like I, I had a call the other day with someone that like had like uh, this app fireflies.ai join in the meeting. I'm like, what is this fireflies.ai? They're like, oh, it's uh, recording. Uh, it's transcribing everything. Yeah, right yes, now. nobody go to that website. <laughs> Do yeah. not install fireflies. It will follow you everywhere. Yeah, apparently it's a looks like a decently reputable company, but I can't get it off. I, 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 they have a help article about how to remove it and I followed it and anyway, I can't get it off. <laughs> the, the, the problem of trying to find a technology solution when one is not needed. Yes. <laughs> so you mentioned your, your program. Um, yes. So tell us more. So yeah. yeah. I'm super, super excited about that. I was really kind of nervous actually when I launched it because there was a lot working to that. When I started Future Firm, I knew I wanted to have some kind of passive, more passive kind of revenue model. 
and I'm, when I say passive, it doesn't mean like you, there's no work to do at all. There's actually a, quite a bit of work to do, but it just means that you're not doing like one-to-one deliverables. You're doing the work upfront and you're productizing a service. You're creating something that is scalable, that will grow. You do the work upfront. It's like building a software. And you, you invest all the money upfront yes. and the development upfront with the hopes that you'll sell it. If you sell it, there's no cost to scaling it. Correct. Other than maintaining, right? So yeah. I knew going into Future Firm, I wanted something like that. I thought it was just going to be once-off online courses and that's it. Um, and, you know, for, for a year, I was doing one-to-one coaching. I was understanding the market. I was understanding, like, really getting into, like, firm owners' heads, helping them. Which is fun and exciting, but not scalable. Yeah, it was good. I, I like it. I still do it for, for a small group of firms. Um, if you can afford $1,000 an hour. <laughs> it's actually more than that, but... <laughs> If you look at, if you look at the, um, yeah, so, so actually, if you look at like the, um, uh, the max plan on futurefirmaccelerate.com, it's, it's 3,500 bucks a month. It's one zoom meeting, you know, you got all the other 3,500 an hour. Whoa. I love this business. 10 grand Canadian. No, but, um, but, but the thing is it, it's all based on results and, you know, I'm seeing the ROI. So I'm pricing based on that. Yeah. I was, that's not scalable. I like doing it. I'm working with a small group of firms there. Um, Dude, at 3,500 an hour, you don't need to be able to have that scale. You just have to work 40 hours a week and you make it back. Yeah, but you know what? I like figuring out models. And that's one of the things I like with Zen Accounting was trying to figure out the model. And that's one of the things I'm really enjoying about Future Firm is like figuring out what that model looks like. And I'm having a lot of fun figuring that out. Yeah. You so, get to tinker. Yeah, you get to tinker. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a lot of fun. But leading up to that, I was building an audience. Once the audience was large enough, I would roll out a program, which would be that online, uh, turned out to be a membership style program, which takes <laughs> everything I learned from what I knew running my firm, plus the coaching that I did, um, turned all those the popular topics into online courses in key areas of creating a scalable firm, such as like, you know, pricing strategy, sales strategy, all the marketing stuff I know, turn that into online courses, provide some level of support for myself, depending on the tier that's selected could be group calls. You know, we had a group call yesterday, there's 40 people on it. Um, You know, so uh, some level of support plus a community. And I, I've been really, really happy with how the community has been turning out. We launched, uh, you know, launched about a, a month ago. It's 135 people in the program already. And um, yeah, all self included. There you go. By my father. And, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, but leading up to that, I was, I didn't know how it would be received, you know? So I was putting all this money into a platform you had to put all that you had to invest up front. It was like, it's, it's so much yeah. like building a software. You have to invest all the time yeah. and energy up front with no knowledge of what you're going to get out of it. But once it's like, built, it's recurring passive income. If it works well. Right. So I was scared. Like, am I going to get any signups? Are people going to join this? Am I going to like do this big launch? And there's going to be two people that sign up. Are people going to like it? You know, yeah. like I was, re- I was actually genuinely I was, That's I'm, like how I felt going into Clubhouse for the first time. I'm like, is anyone going to join my room? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it turned out, uh, turned out, uh, I'm really having a lot of fun with it. Um, yeah. It turned I, out all right because you're pretty well respected. 135 <laughs> subscribers to start. That's not yeah. bad. Yeah, it's not so, bad. 
So um, congratulations. Yeah. And uh, I, I will be proud to be able to say I knew him when. You, you got in on the right time because there's a, the, the first price increase is happening on Wednesday. You're grandfathered in, Andrew. I'm so grandfathered. Nice. Grandfather. Yeah. The so first price increases happen on Wednesday. <laughs> so get in now while you can. There you and go. On, on that note, we are actually at time, literally to the minute. So, Ryan, thank you again for, for joining us this week and, and for joining us when Will was here. Um, we're going to open up the room uh, for people who want to hang out. We put the, the link show. in the comments, so just click on it and come hang. Yeah. It's the same one we use every week, so if you've been hanging out with us on the weekly basis, just save it and <laughs> click on it. We'll Appreciate let you it, in right after the show. And next week, and I don't know how to say her name, I'm going to need uh, uh, Alicia's help because I think she knows her. It's Ufoma Ogaga. She's from Atlanta. I know I said it wrong. And she's uh, she's a pretty special lady, so she's gonna be. She does nonprofits, right? There's nonprofits, and uh, we're gonna we we haven't forgotten. It's been Black History Month this this month, and we're gonna you know go go down that road again, Andrew. Well, yeah. we know it's one of our favorite topics. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I got an opportunity to meet her in uh, at, at Scaling New Heights last year. I had a short conversation with her and. I'm looking forward to stalking her on social. <laughs> yeah, you'll find out um, more stuff she doesn't I'll know, know her but... deep dark secrets. But for the rest of you, we'll see you next week. And yeah, thanks, uh, everyone who wants to hang come out, come hang out. come hang out with Ryan as long as we can keep him awake. <laughs> yeah, he's no longer a DJ now; he's a dad. <laughs>